Well, today we're wrapping up uh, our summer series in the Psalms. And I honestly am so thankful that we decided to use this as our anchor point in the scriptures. Back in March when all of this began, we were, all of us, disoriented, trying to figure out what all this would mean to us going forward. We mentioned to you at the start of this series that the Psalms, there are two basic large categories. One is Psalms of disorientation. The psalmist's life has gotten out of control. There are factors that have led the psalmist to sit on a rock somewhere, sit on a bench, look out and say, where in the world is God? And then they lament and they let their heart cry out to God. Psalms of disorientation. But often in the same psalm, there is a reorientation. There is a chance for the psalmist to be able to sit, to observe, to remember the past, to remember where God his fingerprints on your life in the past, and suddenly there's a chance to reorient. But it isn't reorienting around the news feed and gaining hope from that. It isn't pulling up the latest pithy saying or thought for the day. It isn't pulling up your favorite magazine and reading that. The psalmist always re- around the character of God. The psalmist has a robust understanding theologically of who God is. And so throughout the summer, you've heard many, a variety of psalms that we've looked at, some of which the psalmist rejects the idols that he sees or she sees have come into their lives. Sometimes the psalmist cries out, Savior. They realize where they are at without God. There's obviously times of confession, realizing where they have gone against the ways of God, and they've gone against the neighbor and the ones that they love the most. And so it is appropriate that they have confession, but throughout the Psalms and all of these prayers is this yearning to have worship again to have a pure heart, to not be ashamed to come into the presence of God and just say, this is me. With all my brokenness, you still love and care for me. And so as we end this series today, I want us to uh, look at a great psalm of reorientation. Uh, It's Psalm 46. It's hopefully one of with a great psalm of reorientation. As Julie said in her prayer, we're now six months into this pandemic, and there's no immediate end in sight. We are all in a waiting period, just as we have been. How are you doing emotionally as we begin September? How are you interactions as we start this month? How are you doing spiritually? 
I have to admit to you that throughout this summer, I have been scattered. My wife and I fortunately have had the opportunity to de, uh, decompress all that we're each experiencing, and it's just, uh, it changes daily for me. And I don't like that. <laughs> I want to find some kind of level. Personality. I've never been one that's been living in the highs and lows, and yet that's been my experience this summer. And so I need Psalm 46 to realign my thinking as I try to process what is ahead. If you do have a pen this morning and you happen to bring one, I encourage you to just write four titles over the four sections that are in your bulletin. I just broke up the psalm because it, it breaks up into these four sections. The first one, if again, if you have a pen, you can write over the top, God is our unfaltering foundation. God is our unfaltering foundation. Verses 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And so the psalmist starts right out in reorienting. God is our protection, and if he is the basis for all of your life, and you look through that filter, you got a chance. That's why even in our own American universities, the Ivy League, had theological training centers in the middle of all the disciplines of education because the founders believed that a godly worldview would inform every other discipline. We've obviously taken that heart out of our educational system, but for those of us who follow Jesus, that is still the truth in the beginning point. The psalmist says there can be earthquakes, tsunamis, Mountains can erupt like Mount St. Helens in our own area. All of these destructive natural phenomena can happen. Don't put your faith even in the mountains that we glory in looking at. Only a life built on God will be secure and will flourish. And you notice that there's this interesting little word at the end of the first three verses of the psalm, Selah. Because the psalms were often sung in Israel's worship, many of you know that Selah may indicate a musical pause. It may be a time when a helicopter flies over the sanctuary and everybody looks up to see what it is. Selah is hard for scholars to define, but most of them believe that it was a it was maybe like what we would do today when we believe something that we hear someone say and we say, Amen. So be it. I affirm what I just heard. I'm all in. It's a wonderful phrase. And so the psalmist says, Selah, right there. The first three verses give us a great unfaltering foundation in God triad of verses, put the, write the title, God is with us. 
God is with us. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. He lifts his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Say it together. Selah. Amen. So now the psalmist moves from looking at the mountains and the grandeur of creation to looking at a river, a river in a city. In fact, this psalm was the basis for Martin Luther's most famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That's based on this entire psalm. But here the picture is of this river. And as you know, most ancient cities were built along rivers, or rivers actually may have flowed through them for obvious reasons, for drinking water, for the irrigation of their crops, for commerce and trade. Rivers are important. And so here the river is the very presence of God himself who, just like a river, sustains our lives. But the psalmist contrasts God's life-giving stability with the downfall of nations and the downfall of kingdoms. Nations, all kingdoms, all presidents, all governors, all mayors, will fail us. That's not a political statement. That's a biblical statement. We are not to put our trust there. We are to pray for, and I, I sure hope that this summer, if you have never prayed, leaders, that that has stirred up in your spirit. The psalmist declares, the Lord Almighty is with us. He lives in us, church. Most difficult thing for us as your pastors and speakers was to preach to an empty sanctuary. I think it was in the end of July I had preached and I just turned and I said, this, I hate this. Not what I'd said. But I hated the fact that it was just to an empty room. God dwells in all of us together. Look around again at your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Collectively, and the Spirit of God dwells in each of us. Selah. Amen. The third part of this psalm, you can write in, God is at work in this world. God is at work in the world. In verses 8 and 9, come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield. So often, we are fixated on the wars of this world. 
We're fixated on riots where our news feed can't get enough. And so they send their camera people down there 24-7 just to show us that. We're fixated on what's broken. Israel knew that even nations were temporary. During the time of our scripture, Egypt, the most powerful nation that held Israel captive was destroyed. The seven nations that were in the promised land that was given to the Israelites, all seven of those nations went away before God's people. Assyria, Babylon, the entire story of the Old Testament was the Jews looking at other nations and but dust in the wind. Because God was sharing with them, I am at work in this world. And when wars end and the dust settles, God's kingdom will be the only thing that lasts. And finally in this psalm, the last section you can write, God is our serenity. I love some of you might even have it on a, some kind of a, a painting or, or just a sketch in your home. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. And I forgot to put in verse 11, but the, re- the refrain again is, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. And the Hebrew word for being still is to cease our striving. Stop working so hard. Stop striving for the things that aren't of God. The joke during Lent when we came into this pandemic was I was willing to give up chocolate, but then I ended up giving up spring and summer. Now, some of us are asking, am I giving up fall and winter as well? The psalmist in here and throughout the 150 prayers doesn't give us quick and easy steps to solve our problems. This is not a pill to take in the morning to feel better. But verse 10 just simply says, stop striving. We're too busy. We're too We're too prone to follow after those things that will meet us in the short term, but we need to reorient towards the foundation of a triune God. Patience, endurance, and hope are the necessary virtues of what we're all experiencing. Those are not pills that we just take in the morning. The orientation around God's love and care. And so reject those who try to lure you to seek another basis for your life. Reject those voices. Reject the voices that only stir up trouble, confusion, and cynicism in your heart. Turn those voices off. Pay attention to where God is at work in the world. Find ways to learn and be encouraged by 
where God is at work in the world. And finally, reject all those who would seek to disturb and destroy the shalom, the peace, the serenity that can only come from God in your own soul. Amen.